Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to the third annual OVP Hall of Fame Bites this year for 2019. This is episode number three. I am Joe Morata, alongside the dapper Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Howdy doody, Michael. Now, fans, uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, perhaps you're stumbling across our uh, podcast feed, or maybe you're finding this on YouTube. It's possible. We yeah. have a video version out as well. It's on uh, YouTube.com. You ever heard of that site? Uh, you have to to be you here. You have to, obviously. So. If you are finding us for the first time and you're wondering, what are these two guys in suits doing, sitting up in a loft, uh, talking about retro current wrestling? Well... Basically, what we do is this, okay? This is about the Hall of Fame, and we have a couple of other of these out right now where we're talking about the latest Hall of Fame inductees. However, every single Monday, we do a retro wrestling podcast where we will talk about all sorts of stuff, like Virgil. Yeah, Virgil. Or, that uh, was recently. The Renegade. Yeah, or, The Renegade and Barry Darso. ECW Pilot. Yeah, like, the ECW Pilot is out right now with Dick Graham. Woo! Or, or maybe you've been to this channel and watched Bingo Break on our that's channel. That's right. Yeah, we do host uh, exclusively for now anyway. <laughs> that one thing. That's, <laughs> Bingo Break. That's the thing that we host. <laughs> and if you're joining us from the audio feed and you're wondering what the hell we're all about, we'll just skip back an episode and you can listen to our latest one. It came out this past Monday. And of course, if you already know who we are, thank you for joining us yet again as we talk about two more inductees in the WWE Hall of Fame. Quinn, WrestleMania is just around the corner. I mean, yeah, we is. are really creeping up on it I mean, now. We're going to have to start thinking of our travel plans, like for real, actually. And we're in Jersey. How yeah. about that? <laughs> Which yeah, is even we're funnier. We're going to have to make it over there. <laughs> travel plans and we're in New Jersey. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? You know what it also means? What does it the, mean, uh, Michael? The WrestleMania is coming. It means yes, that the it's, it's, it's time for the Hall of Fame. And That's Turkey, right. of course. And Turkey. And we're here, obviously, in the Barclays waiting, you know, for the Hall of yeah. Fame ceremony. In the it's, Hall of Fame attic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Loft, Quinn. <What>? And <laughs> we have two more for you this time around. As we await, I guess we should first address the uh, the barber in the room here. Yes. We, we were going to do Brutus the Barber Beefcake as well right. in this episode. Mm-hmm. However, Quinn sauntered over here to the Barclays and he... Pose a very good question. This is the Barclays Center where the Hall of Fame is being held. Oh, oh, right. Yes. Jeez. Sorry. Keep up with me. The attic of the Barclays. Stop it. And uh, Quinn was like, hey, is Brutus Beefcake actually confirmed to go in by WWE? Yeah, on WF.com or Yeah, WF.com. And no, he's not. So okay. we're waiting until he's confirmed. So yeah. even though he probably is, it seems like he's going but to. We don't want this to look really stupid well. in like two <laughs> weeks or something when like Regis takes his place or whatever. We don't want it to look really stupid, which is why we're sitting here wearing suits. Right. Anyway, so <laughs> as we move on here, for the first inductee, I was gonna think of some clever, sarcastic song to play. Uh, and then I thought about it and I'm not. I'm there's no music for this lady. Normally, we play the theme music oh, of the not wrestler. The Ultimate Warrior music, because this is what that is. No, right? because I I just felt like it would be best to to go under the radar the way Susan Aitchison has, because no one knew she ah. existed. No casual fan, I should say. Probably Dave Meltzer Manch knew who she was, but not a lot of casual fans knew who this lady was uh, yeah. until a couple of weeks ago when Susan Aitchison, the recipient of the Warrior Award, uh, was announced. And Quinn, this was a uh, kind of a who. This was a who, but then right after that happened and it said WWE employee for 30 years, I said, oh my God, the thing we talk about every single year on this podcast, right. 
It's finally happened, folks. And what Quinn's they re- listened to us. Right. What Quinn's referring to is five years ago in 2014 when warrior Jim Helwig was inter- uh, inducted, indicted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he suggested having an award, and it wasn't going to be called the Warrior Award. I forget the guy's name that he wanted to name it after. It's Do you some remember? guy that worked in the back right. award. And what was the whole point of that award, Quinn? The whole point was to honor people that help WF behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, you right. You know, like take care of the... Concession stands, right? And Sweep clean, the floors, clean the bathrooms, and Th- stuff things like, like that. that. Yeah. Now WWE and their PR machine, and again, marketing is marketing, right? Uh, they decided to give this award to people like Joan London, right? And missed the entire point of what Jim Helwig Warrior had been talking about. Now, whether you like Warrior or you don't, I can see either side of that. Right. Uh, the idea for this award was a great one. Honor the people that are never on screen, right? For the, the most that part, nobody's <laughs> ever heard of. And I can see, like, the first year with the Connor thing, I was like, "Oh, that's that was really, great. That's, that's really fine. nice, right?" Of course. But then it just became like a PR stunt, a Quinn. PR thing. Let's be honest and, here. Like, it's no offense to the people who got inducted because no, they I were love, all love Joan London on Good Morning America like back the, in the day. Remember the Rutgers football kid? Or yes, whatever? I do. Like mm-hmm. he was nice, and uh-huh. like no, all these people were good. It was just like. But that's not what the guy that it's named after or right. whatever. That's like, not what he was talking that's about. That's not what he... And I don't know. It's just like, listen, Jim Helwig, not the greatest guy, but I I do think there's there's something to be said about honoring a dead man's wishes. Absolutely. Like, especially if you're going to actually do it. And, they, and like, they, You know what I mean? And finally, they've done it uh, with Susan Aitchison, who I guess is right now their director of uh, community relations. Oh, does she still work there? She's not retired? She had been there. Most recently was their director director of community relations. Uh, and I guess she did a lot behind the scenes in terms of charity and the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which right. is what I understand. From my understanding, she's literally the person who got them like connected with Make-A-Wish right. all the way back in like the 90s. In the Hogan days, in I a, think. Right? I think Warrior it was the early days. 90s because Make-A-Wish, yes. I don't know if Make-A-Wish existed in the 80s. No, it, was, it would have been the early uh, 90s, the, the early the early Warrior days, later Hogan days. Yes, yeah, and it would could, have been that period of time. You could definitely remember back then that they were, they were promoting Make-A-Wish, but it was like a little known thing like in the early 90s. That's they, true. They would talk about it and you're like, oh, what's that? And they tell you what it is and you'd be like, oh, that's really nice, you know? Like, and, yeah, and that grew to have, you know, John Cena, probably their most notable make-a-wish right. wish maker come true. But I mean, what do you it, call him? Yeah, but I mean, honestly, it, it came off like WWF was like actually in the forefront with with the make-a-wish foundation. Correct, like yeah. they, they actually, like, that's one thing where they were ahead of the game on and like every single like football players, um, you know, even people who play a superhero on TV, sure, like yeah. anybody a kid wanted to meet. Athletes, it was like, actors, actresses. Yeah, sure. It was, it became a whole thing and it's still a great charity today. And she was apparently very influential in getting WWF involved with that. Uh, and I guess has done a lot from behind the scenes. You were mentioning me, Quinn, before we went on the air here in the Barclays Center that, uh, <laughs> that, that a lot of people, when she was announced in the Hall of Fame, all over Twitter, a lot of like former WWE employees or wrestlers or current were very happy about it. Yeah, like Bubba Ray Dudley. Yeah, it's Bully like, Ray, I yep. know her. She's right. great. It's William like if Regal. anybody ever deserved it. And like literally all people came out in droves. Like yeah. former wrestlers, people who don't even work for WWE right. anymore. And we're like, this is a really great person. We know like, this lady. What a great, yeah. like they, they got it right finally. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like so it's to me that said something that like people who worked for the company whether they be former office workers or former wrestlers maybe refs whatever sure, like yeah. everyone knew th- who this was that's a great point she must have been a good presence you know or yeah. is I, again i think she still works there but if she doesn't that's fine 
Uh, and you know what? Kudos to uh, Jim Helwig for that idea to begin with, because having an award like this, I think is really sweet. And um, there's really nothing to make fun of about the concept of the award. It's no. a great idea. And I, I hope they, now that they've gotten the, the charity PR part out of their system, <laughs> I'm hoping that we continue with this. Yeah. Maybe like former refs or, you know, stuff like sure. that. Like, or or uh, ring ring attendants. I don't know. Yeah. There's so many different things. Truck drivers that drove the freaking right. arena is, trucks that's around. That's actually what Jim Hellwig said. Like yeah. the, the tra- He said the truck drivers did a lot of the, you know, Imagine they do a that, lot of the work. Not a glamorous job. You're not right. on TV because of it, but you're just as integral, you know, to the production of a WWE show than anybody. Right. So, not, and we mentioned William Regal. Susan Aitchison yes. actually played in 2001. Her only, on, well, maybe her only on-screen role. <sighs> she played the Duchess of Queensbury, right, in a match against Chris Jericho. Was it right? Which it was a one, it was a one-time bit. She looked I, like an idiot. She looked like an idiot, and <laughs> like true. you know what? I after I actually went back and watched it, and I was like, this lady really took one for the team. She really did. And it almost came off like. Um, Maybe it was some kind of prank in the office. Yeah, like maybe, maybe th- something that, like that, right? Like a rib. It really, like, when I saw it, like, the, the just ludicrous outfit. It's <laughs> great. That, like, co- when Coach interviews her, he only calls her Her Highness. <laughs> like, just, like, all this dumb crap. Yeah, really dumb. And just, like, it, I, I was just like, this lady must have been a really good sport. A lot of people Obviously, must have liked right? her. Yeah. So, like, that, I just thought that was really funny that that was a real thing. Yep. So, hats off to you, Susan Agentson. I don't believe she's appeared anywhere else on but, WWE programming that uh, I know of anyway. Special alert, though, Joe. I, I think she definitely has. If you recall, we uh, recently reviewed over on Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Thank you, Quinn. Um, a little event called the Wrestling Classic. Yes, we did. And if you recall, there was a lady called Susan Wakis. Yes. Uh, maybe that was her maiden name, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, blonde hair, uh-huh. they, uh, tablecloth dress. It's very rare she to dressed, find women named, named Susan with blonde hair. Dressed stupidly in <laughs> both what instances. Else, what else what, you got? Uh, well, I got more. Okay. Um, both appearances took place at the Rosemont Horizon. What, the also, du- the Duchess of Queensbury and Wrestling Classic. Right. Okay. Also, the day that they announced that uh, Susan was in the Hall of Fame here. Yeah. Uh, guess where they their first arena where they announced it at was? Let me guess, Quinn. The Rosemont Horizon? The Rosemont Horizon. So, so what are you trying to say, Quinn? I'm saying that um, maybe Susan Wakis, um, <laughs> knee agency, like, <laughs> um, is it, that, that, they're the that's, same person. They're, the, they're one in the same. Well, I'll ask you this. Has anyone ever seen them in the same place at the same time? They haven't. That's but, right. Oh, you know, you... You haven't seen certain characters in the WWE in the same place at the same time, too, like Virgilina and Virgil. That's true. Santino and Santina. Right. True. Hey. Hey. Well, I uh, unfortunately debunked (laughs) this uh, right after Quinn started going on about it a couple of weeks ago. What? And no, Susan Wakekiss is a different person. That was her maiden name, but her married name was Westcott. Uh, She's from Illinois. Uh, Susan Agenson is from Stamford, Connecticut. Not only that, uh, they are... Very disparate in age, probably by about 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Uh, they're not the same person, Quinn, but I like the conspiracy theory. Well, we'll have to wait till the full report comes out. <laughs> what a, if they say it at the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Like, and she was in the wrestling class. I, I'm just, just, I'm you just, just saying. Punch me. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like that picture that you found on the internet. It's just like a, they, they put it out there like to screw right. it Melter yeah. or something. It's like when, it's like when uh, Stephen King used a fake picture for his.
his uh what was his alias name that he used in the uh, 80s oh richard bachman richard richard bachman he had a fake picture of some guy but that's an obscure reference for you but overall uh hats off to uh susan agentson for apparently what has been some tremendous work behind the scenes that no one would have really known about yep uh, this, to me again until I, this year hats off to the uh, world federation of wrestling yeah good job um, wf uh they did a good job this year absolutely I, we rarely give the the modern a day company a lot of credit well especially in their in their pr efforts and stuff like that in fact we've been shitting on it for how many years have we done this hall of fame three years Uh, the third one we've been shitting on it since the beginning well Um, yeah especially when it's a blatant pr grab and i mean i guess in this case there's some publicity to be gone out of it but more i i would want to believe it's about honoring a loyal employee for the last 30 something years one one other thing here go ahead michael Um, do you think maybe they didn't do it on purpose to rile everyone up so that when they finally did it, like in the fifth year, everyone would be excited. Like everyone would be all happy. No, and then I they'd think have- they forgot <laughs> the Warriors point. <laughs> I really do. I wonder if somebody actually went and it's like, oh, it's the five year anniversary. Let's go like look, <laughs> look up like what this was. And it's- then and somebody was like, oops. Like- <laughs> it's possible, Quinn. All right. Well, that'll do it for Susan Agenson. Uh, and Quinn, this has been a year of uh, tag teams and stables. And the next inductees are among my personal favorites. They are, of course, the Hart Foundation, Brett Hitman Hart, and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And before we get into them, I wanted to address something, Quinn, and I know you'll be able to roll with this here. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of people saying on Twitter that why isn't Brian Pillman, British Bulldog, and Owen Hart going in with them? And well, I think I understand. Go ahead, and I'll um, say my piece as the, well. The picture, the name, everything, it seemed to imply that we were talking about the Hart Foundation original the tag, tag team. team. Not, right. not the stable. Right, not correct. Be, they had the same name, but they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Exactly my sentiments. Right. They were. They happen to have the same name. The original Heart Foundation from '85 to '91, and the stable, 1997 only. Right. <laughs> basically, right. Now, now, if anybody deserves to even like remotely be part of this, it would probably be Jimmy Hart and Danny and Danny Davis, Davis right, right? From like, the original stable. Right. Exactly. But I do agree that yes, it would be wonderful. And they are all three men are deserving. Owen Hart, if Martha ever lets that happen, right? British Bulldog, definitely, and mm-hmm. Brian Pillman. They should all be WWF Hall of Famers. I think they should all be in separately. I mean, honestly, the British Bulldog is definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, at this point, yes, I mean, he on, is. He, no, he is. He, he is. You always remember him, Owen Hart, of course. Yeah, and Pillman, not and, not specifically his WWF career, but his whole wrestling career, obviously. Right, and Pillman, in after his death, I think gained a lot of people started to realize like. The this character guy was that, good. that what he had was really good. So it was. I, I think that's coming. Maybe maybe that's a good days, sign. Hopefully. Maybe that means those guys will be honored um, on their own rights. It's you know? possible. Maybe they'll get a Davy Boy Smith Jr. or something. Right. Like, take it for his dad. <laughs> and one more thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, Quinn, before we get into the Hart Foundation tag team. Uh, I s- saw a comment about, you know, how come tag teams are getting in, but, you know, one of the wrestlers is already in. And I likened it. I want to get what you think. To a in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a band can get in for their band achievements mm-hmm. and what each individual member contributed to the overall band. For example, the Beatles are in as a band, but individual members of the Beatles are in separately for their solo careers. And I feel like that's more or less the same well, thing here. Actually, I think there's a 
specifically to the World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Fame. A very legitimate Hall of Fame, by very the way. Very legitimate Hall of Fame. Very. This already, this this is, this question has been answered, time. folks, because Ric Flair was inducted by himself and with the Four Horsemen. Right. So I don't know what people are, is that, an, I haven't even seen that. Is that a complaint on Twitter or something? It was just a question. It was a just question? something someone asked. Uh, okay, yeah. No, the precedent, they had already said like, no, that's like we do do we, this. We, we do that right. already. So like, there's no real to me. It's to, to me this is a normal thing at this point. Because also, if you notice, Booker Booker T, T's in twice too with with but, Harlem Heat. Yeah, now. but it's separate. It's like this is he's in because how good Harlem Heat was, and he's in because of Booker T, the single star. And same thing here. I don't know that Jim Neidhart is necessarily a Hall of Famer as a single star, but no, for but I mean, his he's time recognized as right. being in the Hart Foundation. So I agree with it 100%. Now, obviously, the Hart Foundation is one of my favorite tag teams, Bret Hart being one of my favorite wrestlers. Really good tag team. I agree. They really are. Even yeah. Quinn will admit to that. No. You'd say I, they're better than the Rockers with your boy Sean, right? I would, actually. Yeah. Because I think the Rockers didn't, they just weren't as prominent, and they broke them up before they could really do anything. Do more. Yeah, yeah like I agree. Shawn Michaels went on his own, and that was yep. that, you know? So the story of the Hart Foundation is pretty simple. Bret Hart had come into the WWF in the summer of 1984 after Vince McMahon bought out Stu. Hey, Tiger. Yeah, and he was a cowboy. No, it's not that. It was like, they wanted to make me a cowboy, but where I come from, you better be right. a real cowboy. It was that whole thing, okay? He had to good, have good matches. Yeah, too. he had to have good matches. And uh, Jim Neidhart came in in January of 85. Right. Okay, so about a four or five month from, gap between... From Reno, Nevada. <laughs> Proudly from <laughs> Reno. Yeah, baby. I always like that they had to like... It's where he's from. The hearts are always like so associated with Canada, but in the early days, it'd be like... From, from Reno, Nevada. Well, from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and yeah. Reno, Nevada. Yeah, it's true. Like, <laughs> so Jim comes in in early 85. He's initially managed by Mr. Fuji. That's a trivia That's for so you. That's so weird. And then Jimmy Hart took him over. And uh, by the midpoint, by the spring, I believe it was, of 1985, Bret Hart was like, you know, why, why doesn't Vince just put me and Jim together? We both have heart in our name with Jimmy Hart, and we'll be the Hart Foundation. More so, like heart fart. <laughs> they used to call us heart fart. <laughs> salty little bully. <laughs> a fairly salty little bully. So Bret and Jim team up, and basically what the Hart Foundation did is <laughs> Bret Hart, you know, would say it himself, they had a lot of good matches. They had a lot and of And they good- really did. <laughs> but they did. They, no, they did. Um... And I always liked how in the Bret Hart DVD he talked about how they were kind of like nothing when they started. They weren't. They're not. On, they're not at any. I mean, they're WrestleMania two, like barely. I just in the mean Battle also Royal. that they, there was never an intent to be like this is going to be a blockbuster, no. like number one drawing no, tag team no. that they would headline who shows and no, things and no all way. this stuff. That the, the, it was actually like a, a out of desperation thing. It was like Bret was a cowboy and he wasn't and, actually a cowboy. And Nightheart was doing nothing. And, and, <laughs> That's true. And so they were just like, <laughs> well, they both have heart in their name and they know each other. So heart fart. Yeah, bro. Real life brothers in law too, yeah. which is even funnier. So it's like, let's just make this, and we'll put Jimmy Hart, and it will just it will it was all perfect, work out, right? right? And Mary Hart. No, that's yeah. not something. Something. I'm else. not associated <laughs> with that. <laughs> so uh, they, they had a lot of great matches with a lot of teams. No, notably in the earlier part was the Killer Bees. They wrestled all oh, the fucking man. time. Wonderful matches, and they're always the good. Yeah. yeah. And then the British Bulldogs. Right. The British Bulldogs. The other the other tandem there that they you know really established as like this is these are the worker teams yeah. and all this you know brett would have probably say something like you know i thought that we always had the best match on the night you know best match on the card you know dynamite kid is the best wrestler <laughs> ever you know like all that shit yeah which 
he, he is one of the best. Yeah. But anyway, uh, they parlayed that great tag team run into being com- becoming the tag team champions in early 87. Uh, they defeated the Strike Force. Did no, they, they defeated no, they the lost Bulldogs. To the strike Correct. Force. I, I apologize. That's okay. And they had added crooked referee Danny Davis to their stable right. around that time. So yep. He won them the belts, Jeff. He did help them win did the he belts. Did wear khakis in that match? No, he had regular pants actually, in that no, one. Actually, no. That match is actually great because it's on Superstars, I believe. And Vince is so pissy about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and Danny Davis, <laughs> that, that's like when he just blatantly is like, yeah. no, I'm, like, I'm not I'm wearing khakis now. only. <laughs> like, I'm going to actually cost them the match. So the Hearts obviously were heel, if I failed to mention that. They were heel this whole time as the Heart Foundation. And they were so cool to me as a tag team, especially as heels, but also as faces, Quinn. Because much like Harlem Heat, who we discussed last time, you had the power guy in Jim Neidhart, right? and you had Bret Hart, the, the, the best of the technical, you know. In the- best of the technical, yes. <laughs> yes. Not the high-flying. No, that would that's be the- his brother own. <laughs> his brother own. But Bret so was... So safe. So safe. So you had a very disparate style. Whereas if you look at a team like the Killer Bees... Mm-hmm. the Rougeau brothers, even the British Bulldogs, because Davey wasn't that big back then. There wasn't as much contrast between some no. of those teams. No, they were they were both like, it was kind of teams of the same ilk. Yeah. You and know, the, the same type of, the, the kind of high flyer type wrestler, right. you know. Like, and you look around the NWA and around the horn, you know, the Rock and Roll Express, same size yeah. type guys. The Midnight Express, I same size. I think the Bulldogs, you, you say that, they, you know, they, they didn't hype up that Davey was that big, but I think... Not in the early part. Of- I personally, when I look back at them, they both look kind of bulky and pudgy. Well, like, steroids will do that Yeah, to I'm you. just saying, it's like they didn't look like pushovers either. No, I'm the, just the, saying the that the they were about the same yeah. size. Right, they didn't yeah. hype one being like the power yeah. man necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of teams like Demolition, the Road Warriors, all the same size, like the same style. Yeah. Brett and Jim, and I'm not saying they were the first, but in WWF, they're pretty unique at that time they're, in the tag scene. They're like the uh, fire and ice of their day. <laughs> if that works yeah. for you, Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anything with an ice train reference is yeah. fine with me. You hope, hope you got your listens worth here, folks. Yeah. And uh, they were just charismatic in a heel way. I love how they played goofy asshole heels as the Heart yeah. Foundation. And I, that, to me, that's also when Brett developed his like whatever that thing with his hands is. It's yeah, like, like but the, it was I'm more, holding like really hot pizzas. Yeah, like <laughs> like that was that, ow, ow, ow. Yeah, that was like his, that was so dicky the way he would do that though. He'd look at the crowd. In the early it. days he'd be more like strutty about yeah, it too, he'd right? More, he'd be way more assy about it and it's funny <laughs> that that became like a face thing. Yeah, like, it, did. it definitely is a heel thing all the way. Oh, yeah. And, and his sunglasses, also, too. Right. He also, now, a lot of people <laughs> like to think that, you know, he had the Hitman shades all along. But oh, yeah, no. Before, he just had, like, aviator glasses yeah. on, and he just looked like an ass. Like, sometimes they were really obnoxious aviators, yep, too. Yeah, like, really the ones big. that, like, almost connect together, <laughs> like, each lens. Yeah, and he would just be, like, a big douche, and Jim Neidhart would just laugh and stroke his beard and be, like, hilarious. You yeah. ever watch, like, if you've never watched just, like, a mid-80s Heart Foundation heel tag match, they're all fun by the way i also they really i are. also like that jim neidhart as opposed to brett's aviators he had like ray bands on yes he did <laughs> right and he kept that look his whole career yeah. too which is cool uh so they were just a very unique tag team and jim let's give credit to neidhart here he was for the first couple of years there he was the personality of the team no, because he came off as like oh this guy's like a decent singles wrestler like he had an actual decent right. singles push before so he seemed like oh he's the veteran you know, like yeah, that's pretty what he much. came off. And as. he was a better talker at the time right, too, because yeah. he was explosive with that cackle was, and the I think he was just at probably as far as his body and age and everything, he was probably at the best time of his career when the when the tag team started, right? He was I like agree. 
probably like the prime of like he had come off football and he was still he wasn't old yet. No, right? he but was he, like twenty nine when the team right. started. So or something. I mean, when you're hitting your thirties, that's for a wrestler. That's usually it's like prime, prime time. time, right? Yeah. So like Jim was just like maturing into mm-hmm. something, and he kind of aged out while he was into the heart. Yeah, Foundation, honestly. But, yeah. Uh, so I don't want to understate his impact here. And Brett would be obviously the first to admit that. And I'm sure he will at the Hall of Fame speech. You right, know, that, that Jim really started the thing. He was like the captain of the team, right. so to speak. And then it slowly, I mean, Brett looked cool and he was young and he had the and greasy hair and the great, sunglasses. And I was a great wrestler. Yeah, uh, of and course, then, the matches. And my promos got better. So they finally uh, turned face. And they've been wearing pink already. Let's also mention the pink. They didn't start wearing pink right. until early '87. That blue first. They blue. The sometimes all black. Right. But the pink came along because <laughs> it's that a was, heel move. That was a heel move, right? It was like, oh, real men don't wear pink, but these guys are just such dicks. And it was the bright neon all pink. That's yeah, how they it started. Was bright as shit, like by design. <laughs> yes. Like it was to be like. Look at these assholes. <laughs> that, like, that was the whole point. Yeah. Like, look how fucking ridiculous Remember we look. Remember when it first started where it was just like a little bit of pink, but yeah. then, it st- then it turned in the entire like singlet uniform yeah. thing. Like there wasn't even any black in it. Highlighter pink. Yeah. It like, was great. And it got like pinker. Like it wasn't even like a dark hue it's of pink. Real. It was like a lighter hue. Their 87 hue. Best yeah. hue that they had. <laughs> so they turned face uh, rather gradually starting around WrestleMania 4. Brett first gets screwed by Bad News Brett. Not really right. screwed. It's a battle royal. There's no rules. I mean, no it's rules. every man for himself. I don't know what Brett he expected know that. to happen. Yeah. He should, the same shit happened at WrestleMania 2. It's true, yeah. Not, he was the last man out at WrestleMania 2. But Andre, but he was, honor, hey! he was honorable about it. He just beat the fuck out I of him. I win! Yeah, he just kicked them in the face and like, get out of here. I win! I win! Yeah. So, uh, and Brett destroys the trophy. He throws it like at an ashtray, we've always yeah, assumed. what is that? <laughs> Why like, is there an ashtray there? But it's like the kind that's like in a public place. <laughs> like a mall ashtray. Yeah. from the 80s. Yeah. So anyway, and the fans cheer Brett and then little by little Jim Neidhart starts to to get cheered as well. Well, because and, I mean, he's going yeah. like, it's only naturally goes with his uh, brother-in-law there. His brother-in-law. And they uh they start to have some problems with Jimmy Hart in the spring of 88 and Jimmy Hart starts screwing them over and he sells their contract or half of it, I think, to the Rougeau brothers. Yeah, he sells it to another tag Who had just like, turned what, heel. What, how does that even work? <laughs> so like, assy, I'm right? I'm going to sell it to a competitor, not even another manager. <laughs> just another competitor. Yeah. So what happened, basically, is Brett and Jim both had on-again, off-again singles pushes throughout 88 and into 89, but they would still team up for pay-per-views such as Rumble 89, WrestleMania 5. SummerSlam 89. Yeah, Brett, but they were testing both out as single stars. Right. Of course, Brett went to the um, the illustrious match with Tom McGee um, <laughs> and other things like that. Which may have recently been unearthed, Quinn, if, yeah. if I'm understanding I know, correctly. By the way, I didn't here. know anything about this until Twitter like lost its mind. I was yeah. like, who the hell is Tom McGee? Don't worry about it right now. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll have to well, cover this Well, at some whenever point. he gets inducted yeah. into the Hall of Fame. So. <laughs> and... Uh, one thing that was great about the Hart Foundation is even as faces, they were still kind of dicks, and which is right. my favorite thing about them. They were yeah. still assy. But I mean, we start to head into a more like honorable phase. A little. Well, especially when they, they, they won the tag titles again. In 90. Right. Right. And I want to backtrack briefly, and then I want to talk about that because that was a great moment. Right. Uh, when they would fight the Rockers, they fought the Rockers a lot in, in 1990 when they all everyone was a face right the hearts would play the heels you know and they would because they knew what the rockers were always faces exactly. like yeah so, so they it didn't would, make any sense they <laughs> fought the LOD once in uh, 91 it's on WrestleFest 91 on Coliseum Video 
Hearts played the heels. They would always revert. It was almost like they hadn't really changed. They just maybe got a little nicer, yeah, but, but they I were mean, still jerks. But I, w- I would say when they win the tag titles back, that's when they really Summer become Slam, yeah. this, oh, we're honorable and good match and all this. Right. Like That's when they really start to be like goody two-shoes. Right. So they fu- they're fully reformed again by 1990. Like No more failed singles pushes yeah, for either. Yeah, they beat the shit out of the Bolsheviks at WrestleMania 6, and yep. they're like, we want the belts! Yep, literally, like, yeah, literally, that's like, what they say. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. And they fight Demolition and they beat Demolition in that two out of three falls match at SummerSlam 90. Awesome, fun time. Just one of the best matches in the Heart Foundation's run, it is. I would it's, say. It's fantastic, memorable that, moment. That hug at the end when they both are holding the belts oh, in the yeah. ring. It's like a really good moment. Or as soon as they win and Jim's covering Brett, like looking around laughing. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. When he, oh, it's so it's, good. It's very good. It really good. is. It's all good. And the <laughs> only thing that's bad is how LOD like looks at Demolition and they lose or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. It isn't fun. Uh, so then the Heart Foundation loses it to the Rockers, but the rope broke uh, and Vince didn't want to switch the title so they I don't know what put it back on hard. That, that's still one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Right? Like what well, year it's a taping system. why not just re-record? <laughs> that's what everyone just said. start the fucking match over again. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to see that. Right. <laughs> so Brett had wanted the singles push. He finally gets it because after WrestleMania 7 when the Hearts lose it still pisses me off to watch this match to the Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys. And Jimmy Hart. Of course it's all Jimmy Hart and yeah. that and to What's great about that is it is really the end of the Hart Foundation as we knew it. Yeah. Here's a story there. Brett becomes a single star. They have a one time, and I don't know if you've seen this one, Quinn, because it's on an MSG show, and I know you don't always watch those, but there's yeah. one from July 1st, 1991. Yeah, interesting. Where the Hart Farts team back up for a one night only reunion against the Nasty Boys. I think it's the Nasty Boys. They lose, obviously, or get DQ yeah, or something probably like something like right. that. Yeah. But yeah, Brett was full singles by then, and Jim was also. Part wrestler, part commentator, also, like on Challenge. Part uh, friends with Coco Beware. No, Owen Hart. Oh, <laughs> not, not Coco yet. Beware. Sorry, yeah. I mix... Isn't that sad that I mix that up? Like, Jim... Well, they all have the same pants. Here's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, they did. That's, they all that, have the that's same the problem, pants. the high energy thing. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was always sad to me that... You know... It, Jim didn't really have anywhere to go after that's the that. Thing. Like, it was just like, he was older. There was not much left to do with him. They brought um, in Owen. Right, they brought in Owen, which is now, like, now Jim is really screwed, like, because yeah. there's, like, a younger heart. Yeah, who was wowing the audience with some cool moves by right. then, too. But they didn't use Jim on some occasions, which were fun, like, the whole, like, remember with the throwing the towel match? Yeah. He was there for that. He's also King of the Ring 94, where he turns on Brett. Yeah, like, the, all, that. all this funny stuff, like, you know, like, where he's, like, kind of a heel now, and he's, like... He was he, almost always he a heel, He doesn't yeah. like Brett, and he's Owen's friend, yeah, and remember all this stuff. Owen and Brett... I mean, uh, Owen and Jim teamed up uh, in 94 a lot against Brett right. and Bulldog. Exactly. There was a lot of that type of shit. Uh, but that's the end. Yeah, 1991 is truly the end of the Hart Foundation as we know it. And they were uh, they had a six-year run, which is a pretty long time, yeah. and, and honestly. Joe, I don't know because I'm not the big Hart aficionado as you are, but um, did they ever team up when the Hart Foundation faction... Yeah. Um, Reform was in there 97? ever? Was there? Did they ever have a match together? I think they did, Quinn. Uh, I don't know if it was televised, but not, I think yeah, I looked I'm, into this one. Not like a, not like a, a triple tag team. Thing no, I think they teamed up just like the two just, of them because that like was, once or something. Yeah, because that seems like the most logical thing right. to do. Like when yeah. that's like it's like oh they're back together. <laughs> Let's fucking tag team. Right, like, you know. So overall, with the Heart Foundation. A unique team, especially as heels, but as faces too. Cool look. Mm-hmm. Had some great matches with Killer Bees. Rougeau Brothers, The Rockers, Demolition, British Bulldogs, just, The Legion of Doom. The, uh, the, just uh, the list goes the, on yeah, and the on. The list goes on, really. I mean, Strike Force. 
Strike Force. Yeah. yeah, another one. Just tons of great matches. It's the cliche that we always use if you're new with Brett is, you know, good. I thought I could have good matches. Yeah, good ma- Mr. Hito told me I was going to have good <laughs> matches. You know, but, like all that shit. But to tell you the truth, I mean, Bret Hart and Jim Hart, Jim Hart, <laughs> yeah. Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart were equally a part of that tag team. And right. I think Anvil deserves just as much credit for Bret, if not more, maybe for the early days. Definitely. For, for the, the success of that team. I mean, they would just had a such a cool chemistry, a unique style. Uh, happy to see them going in. I wish, you know, Jim Neidhart was still here to right. be able to accept this award well, with Well, you know Brett. what that means, Joe. What? Uh, Natty's going to be well, yeah. with Brett Of course she will. I mean, mm-hmm. My dad, Brett, over here. <laughs> I like cats. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but anyway, I like cats, too, for the record. Right. But I like cats. Gizmo. This, this, this Hall of Fame is for Gizmo. This one's really. for Gizmo and the Anvil, of course. Um, who will only listen to Danny Spivey right. for the record. Maybe Danny Spivey will show up. That'd be great, that actually. Lives are going to be in Jim Neidhart's hands. Like, uh, overall thoughts, though, Quinn? It's great to see the hearts in. Deserving tag team, yeah, right? totally deserving. Um, and I, I, they did actually, um, if you think about it, they picked the appropriate year Jim has just passed away. I know, know it would be nice if he was in it really when he was been. alive. And I, I think that him dying caught a lot of people off guard. I don't think, I, I almost yeah. think like maybe this was planned anyway. Maybe like, I, I don't know how no, far in advance they, they, they planned. They had been talking about it for years. They like that was already like that was in like we saw it talked about on Total Divas. What the and, heart like, farts going in? Like, like well, Jim specifically. Yeah, it was like we had seen like they were just waiting. They said they wanted him to get healthy and like take care of himself, yeah, and right. that was kind of the thing that they held over him. And he had just done that. I like he got sober again and everything, and then he just passed away. Like yeah, and I and I thought like. I thought I actually before he died I really thought like oh this has to this be, would be like, the year, uh, 2019 right? like yeah. totally like and so they did fo- if, if that if that rumor was going around and if they were talking about it, at least they followed through with it they didn't stop it that's because true he died like you know very good point yeah. uh, I'm happy to see them go in great tag team I, I don't know if they're the best tag team of all time or anything but man they were a shot of adrenaline to right. the tag division in the 80s WWF and very notable and launched the career of Bret Hart, so you can't really ask for much more than that. Uh, so, folks, basically, what we're waiting on now for the next Hall of Fame bite is we're waiting to find out once Brutus Beefcake is confirmed, and we hope that he is because... Whoop, sorry. And we hope that he is because I really do want to talk about Brutus Buffcake. What a package. What a total package. What a total package. When are they going to put Lex Luger in the total package? <laughs> I don't know! <laughs> and, uh... We're also waiting to see who the legacy inductees are. We'll we'll definitely be doing a bite on them regardless. No matter what. And Quinn, I know you're waiting for Regis Philbin to make it one of these years. Okay, so we still don't have a celebrity and we We have Brutai left. So it's possible, folks. It's possible that they're just waiting to, you know, the Hulk, the Hulk mania. (laughs) Macho Man, yeah, yeah. I'm going to... Hey, I'll be campaigning. I know you will. You I, have been for years I've been, now. I've been going door to door this year for Regis. Uh, just, you know, putting the flyers, just talking about yeah. the illustrious career of Regis Philbin in WF. That's right. It's a great WF career. Columbia yep. Pictures. Yep. Uh, but until that time, until Regis makes it or whoever else makes it next, folks, thank you so much for joining us here on another Hall of Fame Bite. Uh, we encourage you, if you're newer here, to check out the rest of our YouTube channel or you can go to our website, ovppodcast.com. Get links to our show there. We have a Twitter account at OVP podcast. You can email us if you'd like. And we have a really fun Facebook group that you can join. Uh, just search our vantage point retro wrestling podcast on Facebook. But until the next bite, this is Joe Murata and Michael Quinn saying so long from the Barclays Hall of Fame 2019. <laughs> and we will see you next time. See ya. See ya.